Hey, welcome back to Beer Life. My name is Jordan Foss, and I've been away for a very, very long time, probably like many of you. Um, so yeah, we haven't done Beer Life in a little while, and, and uh, the reason for that is that uh, I'm at home a lot of the time taking care of my kid, and I can't really figure out how to fit it into my schedule. It's basically been as simple as that. My wife and I, uh, my wife's working from home, and uh, we're kind of just uh, making it work uh, with childcare and taking my other son to school. And so it's really just been finding time to talk to people. Um, I also normally like to do these things in person because it kind of feels awkward talking over the phone. Uh, you kind of trip over each other and the sound quality isn't that great, but it doesn't seem like we're going to be coming out of this um, public health order uh, that soon. So I think my time uh, to get face-to-face with some other people in the industry is probably not going to come for a few more months. So rather than uh, let what I think is still an important conversation to have about how breweries are, are dealing with the pandemic, um, and even back further than that, and what, what got people into the industry to begin with. So I'm going to try and do the next few episodes just via phone. Uh, so please bear with me uh, for the sound quality. Um, and it may be a little bit more clunky than you're used to. But I figured that it's probably just important to start having these beer life conversations again. And uh, with that being said, my first guest uh, for 2021 is actually double guests. Uh, They sound like a law firm, Hanson and Jobson, uh, but they are Alex Jobson and Cleet Hanson from another beer company, our arch nemesis in New Westminster. Thank you for doing this with me, guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. My first question is, uh, what's it like being the second best brewery in New West? <laughs> um, we actually, this is hilarious that you brought that up because I have been plotting a, the, the record for everybody that doesn't know is our local newspaper. And I thought it would be hilarious to do a full page ad that says, come check out the second best brewery oh, in man. the West. Um, and so I had that line. I was like, okay. I said to my wife, Alyssa, this morning, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him with this line. And she's like, that's really mean. She's like, no one's going to like you or your show if you're just mean to them. So no, <laughs> I, I love that opening line. That was great. That, that just dissolved any tension. There may have been outside the rooms, right? <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. Um, so, but what is it, what is it like, uh, being a high level? What is it like being a brewery in the West? Let me know. Yeah. So, I mean, so it is, uh, there is a different dynamic. This is going to be, I'm just going to not carry this on too long because new West is this amazing city that has like 75,000 people, which is quite large, um, for a community. But it feels like almost like a bedroom community sometimes and it's like small and you run into people in the bank all the time and at your local cafe. So it has this dualism. And with that, um, saying like the second best brewery of New West, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic because you guys kind of led the charge and have done, of course, you guys are a fantastic brewery at Seal and Oak and you've done an amazing job and um, and you are beloved by all of New West. And so opening up in this community, there was a little bit of an element of, um, of kind of, I wouldn't say tension. Um, but there was an element of like, Hey, what, there's like this second player. We, you know, we already got to do type of thing. And, um, and so, uh, 
yeah, I, it, it was just kind of a different dynamic that way. But we're all we're in different neighborhoods and um, we spread out the love across the city. And one day we'll have a bike path that connects us and then everything will be happy and lovely. But yeah, I mean, we love being in New West and we went out of our way. We the challenge, one of the challenges we had is we didn't even want to open a brewery in any other municipality, which poses some unique challenges to us in terms of how we had to build out our brewery because New West doesn't have a lot of amazing spaces to build a brewery. So so that created some challenges, but we love this community and we wanted to be here specifically and we found a way to make it work. I mean, we're, we, we agree that we would pander to you a bit. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Beforehand. And also, uh, I'm, I'm sure telling any of your listeners or those or yourself that New West is amazing is um, kind of already been done. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and of course, uh, you know, so people don't think I'm, I'm a total dick. I am joking. Um, but I do know <laughs> because I do know this city and. I know if the shoe is on the other foot, it is, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird city that way. It's like, because it is, you know, 75,000 people is, is a decent amount in a small amount of space, but it's always been one of those cities that's had like one cool, uh, taco joint, one cool burger joint. Like, yeah. and it's like, it's almost this kind of attitude that, um, you know, we're just happy with one in new West. And so, you know, forbid that we have a plethora of riches of breweries or anything like that to enjoy. Um, so, I mean, I know, you know, we were, we were pumped that you guys were going to be opening up. Um, you know, part of me was, you know, and I'd just obviously speaking openly, cause otherwise who'd listen to this thing, but like, there is always, <laughs> always a little bit of like, you know, you're, you're a little bit not threatened, but you're like, okay, what is this going to do to my business? Right. Cause you're right, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We were, we we're super fortunate to be the first ones to open here. And I mean, and I appreciate the kind things that you guys pandered to me with. I, I do appreciate that. Um, but it's it's one of those things where it's like we had such a like a good run of just like being the only place here that you're like, oh, shit, what's going to actually happen um, when there's another option for somebody? And it does weigh on you a little bit where you're like, I guess we're going to find out if if people do really like us as much as they say they do or do right. they, or are we yeah. just convenient and easy? Right. And um but I, also I would th- definitely say, sorry, to, I didn't no, go ahead. Um, I would definitely say that it def- felt like um, an uneasiness from people to try to feel like, is this okay to like you? Um, you know, like another beer co because we're we're not only like huge fans of Steel and Oak, but we're friends with them because we're regulars there. And and it and I mean, we truly appreciated that you at the beginning when we just started even putting the vibe to the ground that you did a collaboration with us to kind of give a nod to us, because I think that was, that was very helpful to us and, and to notify other people, but like, Hey, this is, this is okay. This is actually better for the beer, you know, community in a way to have more options or, or a collaborative sort of sense. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen more traffic coming to your, well, it, it's your brewery, but I think people all like people that aren't in beer um, don't understand because it's such an unusual thing where uh, you're you generally collaborate and are in good terms with te- technically your competition, and like that doesn't happen in a ton of, a ton of other indus- industries. So if you're not in that industry and you're watching it from an outsider, especially uh, a place like New West where it is such a tight knit spot, um, you're right. I think people at the beginning probably are you know were not weirded out. But like they didn't know how you're right. They didn't know how to approach it. Like I would get because we all know the same people because it is a small place. Um, you know, I would get somebody that would uh, 
be like, oh yeah, I had this, I had this ABC beer. And then you could almost see the apologetic <laughs> look in their face where they're like, oh, but I, but I went to Steel and Oak the next week. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. You can go there and, and just say that you had a good time and I'm okay with that. I've gone there and had a good time too. You're allowed to, right? And, yeah. um, but it is a, a weird spot that way for sure. Um, I've, I've always thought like, I mean, Cleet and myself are, are, you know, residents of New West. So I'm, I'm curious to see if, if, you know, if never, I mean, there's no industrial areas as you, you know, well, um, in New West really. So there, a lot of people always talk about how they feel like they're going to get murdered when they come to our space. So we <laughs> said, you know, <laughs> this is what we could get. Yeah. Um, but you know, if another brewery opens in New West that maybe they don't like, as I had heard when we were trying to open, there had been other breweries that were in and around the area, but I, they weren't residents of New West. And I was kind of curious, like, how would that go over if, if another brewery did open in New West that wasn't, you know, residing in New West? You yeah, know? New West is, we're like politicians. Yeah. You yeah. gotta, you know, you gotta own it here. So. It, well, no, it is, it is odd that way, right? Like you, you'd never, generally, you wouldn't ask an East Vancouver brewery if, if they live in East Van. And I know a lot of them don't. <laughs> And, yeah, yeah, um, no, but exactly. everybody's okay with that. But I also think that's because, um, this is no like knock on East Van, but no one rarely do you meet someone that lives in East Van that's from East Van. They just move there. And so they're there. And the, the community is just a bit different, right? It, it seems like people move in and out of it, right? Like you're in, I know for us at our, at Steel and Oak, we've got a bunch of people that used to live in East Van. And then once they got a little bit older and had kids and they moved out of East Van, right? So I don't think it's got, you know, New West has kind of got this attitude where it's like, it gets, the city gets pissed at you. If you leave, they're like, well, why did you leave? It's reasonably priced here. You can raise a family here. Why would you, why would you want to leave us? Right. Whereas in other communities, they don't, they don't take it as personally, I guess. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so no, you're, you're totally right. So I, take me back to, I guess, how the two of you um decided to that you wanted to open this this brewery or a brewery well again we saw what you were doing no. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh so alex is a realtor um and and he was showing this is the first time we met and so i lived in new west in in an apartment ever since i basically moved here from the states so I've been in New West now for like 11 years or so. Uh, it's been my pretty much my only home uh, since I moved to Canada. And so, and so we were living in this place. Uh, I was newly married, and me and my wife were like, "Hey, it would be fun to explore what an open house looks like, or an open condo, I should say." And so we know what that looks like in like a year or two if we have the opportunity to buy into this market. And so we, we, there was an open house uh, across the street, and we popped on in, and Alex's first line, he, I, I see him, and, and we're looking at this place, and of course, it's way overpriced from what we can get, and it's, it's nice and beautiful, and I'd still love to live there. And Alex looks at me, and he goes, uh, a lot of great amenities would be super great to, it's a good spot to actually uh, brew home beer, home brew in, and uh, brew home beer in. And any any positive, like, I don't know why I said that. Um, that's a weird thing to bring up as an amenity to a home. <laughs> He's like, I just, I've actually brewed beer here and I kind of know the person. And 
and it works really well with the kitchen space. And then he's now he's tying in all the features of this home, trying to sell it to me. Not realize I don't. He probably understood I don't have any money. And then and um, and then at that point I was like, oh, that's crazy. So my family, you know, this has been how many years back? Jeez, uh, like seven. Yeah, like seven years back. And then I was like, well, my family, you know, they're we're like we just got our license to open Whistle Punk, and in Spokane, Washington. And so I said, well, my family just opened a brewery there. Um, that's interesting you said that. I actually homebrew all the time uh, across the street in my apartment. And so then I was like, dude, do you want to? I'm like, I'm not going to look at this place. I have no money, Alex. I'm sorry, but it's really nice to meet you. And he's like, do you want to get a beer sometime? And then, boom. Then, of course, we start chatting and we start talking about the industry, this beer life that we've come to love. And we recognize that that we had a lot of similarities about how if we opened a brewery here, what we would try to do in this space, um, how we would try to create something in our community as a community, a nice community space where people could rally behind and, and, and just enjoy themselves in, but also just the kind of beers that we wanted to produce and see um, in this market. So uh, I will say this back then you had gone on record that you were not going to make an IPA. So who me or wanted IPA. No, no, I'm talking about still an oak is saying that you weren't going to make an IPA. Oh, back then when you guys were talking about opening a brewery. Yeah, yeah exactly. we're, like, we're like, we need some IPAs. Oh, man. I didn't, you know what? Everybody says I said that, but I don't ever remember. I think I get misquoted all the time. And uh, oh, I, That's a good quote. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get, now award, some of your award-winning IPAs. That's a good quote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, but anyways, but yeah, so, so that's kind of that we met just talking about a passion for this industry and then just continue those conversations and eventually, uh, just had enough conversations that we looked at each other in a bar one day and we said, okay, it's like put up or shut up time. We either have to stop living this like fantasy of us opening a brewery and just enjoy the scene and not live in like misery about not owning a brewery. I shouldn't say misery, but just like this long standing want to do this specifically and every time we go somewhere and chat about beer and we love it we kind of are kicking ourselves because we haven't done it yet and we said let's just you know let's just take a run at it and go for it so that day we sat in a bar and just applied for our corporation um alex i feel like cleat's missing a few big parts here but uh, (laughs) (laughs) anyways then we just kind of kicked it off that way uh i would say this that it always I don't think we ever truly sat down and like game planned something. When we met that day to sign the papers, we fell upon that space that we're in now by chance. Oh, wow. And based off of um, yeah. our, our, my buddy, uh, Mark Summers at Seam Signs, he was, he was going to let us use his space to like just have some nice equipment, like homebrewing, like with the high end stuff. Yeah. Can we say use some space? Three by ten was the space we allotted us <laughs> in the shop, and we're like, "That's enough. We can get messy and brew beer." <laughs> and the and the idea was just to make some beers and some recipes, and then if it if it turned out that we could get a space somewhere, that'd be fine. If if not, then no harm, no foul, right? So so then that and then when when we went into that space, uh, we were about to move our the brand new you know, $10,000 homebrewing equipment into there. Um, uh, the space that we're in now came up and when we looked, asked the landlord what it was, what the rent was, we kind of looked at each other and said that we could do that. 
Yeah, sweet. And maybe we can open like and with his family having a brewery, we thought, hey, they're gonna upgrade their equipment one day and maybe we can inherit their equipment and you know open a brewery for sixty thousand dollars. Like I I mean I don't know if four wins, I mean I've always heard that they, you know, opened a brewery for for quite an affordable amount back in the day of obviously when the dollar was a bit stronger and everything like that. But that yeah. was kind of what we were thinking. Hey, we could, we don't need a million dollars. Like everyone's telling us we can do this. Uh, we can do this the easy way. <laughs> well, I think and then one thing led to the next We We now yeah. are the bank owns us a bit. So. Yeah. Well, I mean you and you and me both. So the, I yeah. think they, you can do it cheap. Uh, like I think Moody Ales did it for a fairly reasonable price at the beginning, but then you end up paying for it later, right? Like if you go to and yeah. see Moody Ales uh, brew house, it's like, it's beautiful, but it's the second one. Well, cause you guys inherited their old one, right? Or their, <laughs> yeah, their yeah, old, the yeah. dairy tank. Okay, so yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're ugly one. Yeah. <laughs> but it does the trick, right? Like I think I remember, uh, I can't remember where I heard the quote from if I read in a book, but someone's like, you can make like award winning, fantastic beer in a bathtub. Like you don't, as long as as long as you know how to work the vessels properly, you can you can do it with anything, right? And it's just the it's you get more efficient when you start spending money. And um, but yeah, you can definitely. I mean, we did it on the fairly cheap. Like I think we got Steel and Oak open for, and Jamie will correct me uh, later. I'm sure. Um, I think it was six hundred fifty thousand dollars. And I mean, that sounds like a lot of money, but like for a brewery, it's it's I think it's fairly cheap. And but we probably could have got it open three months faster with for a little more money um if we didn't try and do everything ourselves especially because we're not handy and we tried to do all the 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 handiwork ourselves um so i think like i mean we just opened harold street in victoria and that's a totally different animal um but we also didn't i mean a lot of it was done um you know by mike and lee and and friends of theirs uh once the pandemic hit um but it was definitely done it would have been twice as long to open even though it took us forever anyways um but some of that was out of our control but it would have taken twice as twice as long as if we did it the same way we were doing steel and oak for sure um do you you find because i remember when we were i think like we were saying oh we're going to open in two months and you you and jamie were or not two months but you and jamie were in and you were telling me about how long you thought it would open um and i as my, I think my hair is already pretty gray, but I think my hair is turning gray already at that point, uh, more so because, you know, you're talking to, to the boys at Moody and, and they're opening bakery. And, and I was thinking they were going to open before us, even though we had been working on it longer. And then hearing what your expectations were and that you were going to open that. And I'm going, are we, are we just <laughs> so uninformed that we're doing this the wrong way? But then, you know, your you your estimation was what about a, a year longer than you thought oh for Harold street yeah oh it's it, probably like two years now um now at least a that, year and a half was that because of changes since because because okay this is one of the questions i wanted to ask so your you know steel and oak is i i would say one of the original five suburb breweries right yeah bell four winds and you uh and moody yellow dog dagger red you yep. all opened around the same time. The dollar was better. Um, the the prevent like the the powers that be were less experienced than breweries, so you probably had to fight through them a lot. But but now like 
we were always talking to you and Moody and a few others that had opened, you know, four or five years ago. And, and that was what we were getting all of our, our knowledge from. And so I think it was just a completely different beast that we weren't expecting that all these times, like the delays it would take. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think the reason it's longer now and is, I mean, it's, it's a couple of things. It's, it's one, there's just more applications. Um, you know, there's more people trying to open breweries. And um, so, I mean, I think they're just, I mean, they're not, they're probably overworked. They just have a lot going on. But then the other thing too um, is back, like you said, they were, we ran up against some things more from a city point of view because the city hadn't seen a brewery in New West since Labatt's and didn't really know how to handle it, but they knew they wanted it. So it, it was, you know, they were pretty easy to deal with. But also the big thing back then is there was no such thing as a lounge endorsement. So you were only applying for a manufacturer's license, which was a lot easier and still is a lot easier to obtain because there's no, um, there's no occupancy load. There's no, you don't have to deal with any bylaw amendments. You don't have to deal with public consultation. You don't have to deal with all those time consuming, um, forward facing items where, um, now when you try to open a brewery and you open it with a lounge, you have to um, apply for your occupancy load with the city. The city makes sure you have enough washrooms. And then um, depending on what city you're in, you have to put a notice out for public consultation to be okay with what you're doing. Then that goes back to the province. And then they, they so there's all these different steps. Whereas when we opened in Four Winds and all those guys, you got a manufacturer's license. So it was just the ability to make beer, which was easy. And then the tasting room was just an add-on. So they didn't really even care about it that much. They're like, oh, yeah, this is a space where you can sample beer and take beer to go. Sure, it looks good to us. Because there was no occupancy load for it. There was no, um, it's not the same way it is now. So I think a lot of it, I know with Herald Street, that was part of the case. Um, she was a big part of the case was that, you know, we, we were applying for an increase in occupant load. And, and a big lounge. And so that's really what took the time. Whereas the manufacturer's license stuff, that that's fairly straightforward and simple. So I think that might be the bigger reason now. Yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely for us. I mean, we should have hindsight got the manufacturing license ASAP, started brewing, and then and then went that way. But we, we, <laughs> we were like, we're going to do everything. Patio license, uh, lounge license. And try to do all of that at one go, and that was the that was the mistake we ran into. Well, yeah, and the, the city gave us hiccups on that. They just didn't know how to process the fact that there could be two different things for a brewery. Like they could be one and the same, and that these licenses were different, and it just confused the city to no end. Yeah, I mean, we had about a three to six month delay solely based on the city not willing to process our manufacturing license because we told them before that we were going to have a lounge. And if we just said, oh, we're just doing a manufacturing license and just built our place for the lounge, like all of our drawings showed, we probably would have been open about six months sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes that, you know, things like that get stuck. Right. And I know a lot of times it, it even depends on the person you're dealing with. Right. And, and absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 and it's just the nature of, I mean, like we can say like, oh, well, it's me, but it's, it's there's, we're from the histories you hear when everybody opens. There's a general timeline that's the quick timeline. And if you have everything go right, you know, this process is a year to a year and a half. But there's always, it seems somewhere along the line, you're going to have that six-month hiccup. Whether it's, oh, we opened the ground and it was insane underneath us and we had to fix that up. Or 
there wasn't enough power and now we had to run power and we didn't really know that or you know what i mean just yeah or the waterways was too small or who knows right like it just seems there's always something so like that new timeline is like that two-year mark is really it's, it's insanity but it's about that two-year mark and if you can rip through that much quicker kudos but yeah, you, you made you made good recommendations to us to say that if you can, you go run to Fraser Health, you run to the city, you do the you do the legwork and get those papers moved as quickly as possible. The one recommendation I would make to anyone who's out there listening is when something comes up and there's a, and you can tell there's like a miscommunication between a number of different bodies just at the city alone, let alone the city and the province. If there's any way that you can arrange a sit-down meeting with everyone to make sure everyone's on board that that was the that was the biggest turning moment for us is that we were fortunate enough to have the city you know sit down with us at a table i mean that was in covid time so i don't know if you'd be able to do that now but yeah I'm but they you know they sat down with all the different bodies that we were talking to and and i mean the the problem with with you know paperwork and email and everything like that is that there's a lot lost in, in translation and so there's a misunderstanding at times and and sometimes the best solution is just to get everybody in a room to because because like like you said every like even new west they were excited to have us and and that was evident but then you know little hiccups along the way you know yeah it gets lost in process um yeah, yeah. so switching gears from you know obviously challenges in, in opening a brewery which i always know there are many um what would each of you say is the singular best moment you've had at ABC since you opened it? If there was a moment where you like you were just kind of watching things, you're like yeah, this is it. This is what we signed up for. Um, I mean, so just heads up too. Like I'm our head head brewer as well as wearing like that kind of dualism hat, uh, being co-owner and doing those admin tasks, and it actually. Um, doesn't have anything to do with our beer per se. I just drove up to our brewery once and it was actually even, it was um, during like this last summer. It was in like this COVID time, yeah. which is the majority of really our timeline um, as a brewery and which is insane. But I drove up this summer and, you know, obviously all the stressors of you being there for that first year are kind of gone. So you can just roll up to your brewery a bit easier now like that first year is insane, right? You yeah. just are like, every time you show up, you think something's going to explode on you or something like that, or there's going to be like public riots or something. I, but like, I don't know. It just feels always so stressful that you have to put out a fire. And so I just rolled up and I was just getting some beer and I was getting to my socially distance and actually have a beer in the park. And, and so I was just going to go grab a four back and then head out and bike with my daughter. And, uh, and anyways, and I rolled up and, there was like, you could just hear the music and people were laughing and there was bikes parked outside, the sun shining. And it just felt like this is it. Like we did it. Yeah. Like there is people making their weekend decisions around showing up and enjoying this space. And they're happy about the beer. And I like the lineup we had. I mean, that definitely helped as like a brewer, like knowing that the lineup that we were carrying at the time, I thought was, was good. Um, and, and so it was just like, you just saw this fulfillment. It's like when you map it out, when you say, these are the good days, this is what we want. You know, even during COVID we had that. And luckily if you're from outside of BC, BC fared really well during this time over the summer with uh, this pandemic. And, and, um, and it was great. I mean, like that, that's the singular best moment. And it was just a fleeting thing, but it was just in that moment, I saw the culmination of the six years of, 
thought process and getting it open and shoveling dirt and brewing beer and having it be okay and brewing better beer to now having this full-fledged thing. So That's awesome. I bet you Steel Nook was quiet that day because you had all our customers, so thanks. But <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy for you, though. That's wonderful. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about you? Um, for me, it was that uh, you mentioned my name on a podcast. I'll get out of here. <laughs> You said you bumped into me at Old Crow. No, uh, the uh, you didn't use my last name though, so it didn't help my rep. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I I think it's along that same line. But I I I'm from you know being a realtor, I I, I struggled with like uh, celebrating the wins in my business. You know, like you sell a house and you just kind of move on. You don't really yeah. you're happy to be a part of it, but then when you're really doing not so great, you kind of dwell on that a bit more. And that's just my, I don't think everyone's like that. It's just my mentality. So definitely the, like, I remember crying when we actually, cause we, there was a little bit of a hiccup on the day that we thought we were going to open. I remember so I that. actually like teared up when we got the go ahead to open. And I'm just a, a, a mushy guy like that. I like to cry a lot. Um, but then it would be this, like the same thing, like it, along the lines of, of, um, taking a moment to stop and hear when somebody says a nice thing about, about your brewery or about a beer they're drinking of yours. And, and instead of like, you get a one star review on Google and you're like, Oh yeah. man. And that, that one star review is like a, a kick to the stomach. But meanwhile, there's all these people who are like raving about your beer and you, you have to stop and just like, take that in for a second and, and, and appreciate it. And I think it's kind of along that same line where Cleese said he, like, it was just that moment where he rolled up and thought for me, it's talking to some people and they're, you know, they're, they're talking about what we're doing and how excited they are. So I, I, it's kind of a, um, a weird, a weird moment where you have to stop, pause and like take it in and then, then put your head down again. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, it's, it's kind of similar for, for me too. Like the, um, the, well, I rem- what, yeah, what was your moment? I, rem- I remember it clearly, and it was... I mean, there's been ma- many little moments along the way, and things change as time goes on, too, right? Like, I remember the first time we won, uh, like, a BC Beer Award, and it was the first award we won, and it was, like, the biggest thing that ever happened to me. But then after a while, uh, if when you start winning a few of them, there becomes this expectation that you should win because you've won before. So you're almost more focused on... You're not just excited that you won. It's like you're so focused on being worried that you're not going to win something because, like, that means you're going the other way, which is totally irrelevant and has nothing to do with anything because it's it's very subjective. But but mine wasn't about awards. It was just there was lots of little ones like that along the way. But the big one was yeah. definitely, um, I think it was two years ago, um, maybe three actually because of the pandemic. So probably three years ago, and it was it was like the first year we did a really big, uh, um. So uh, anniversary party that we do in the the back lot behind the brewery. Yeah, I've gone to all of them. Yeah, a lot. Them. Yeah, and it was like we had bouncy <laughs> castles and like it was crazy, right? Like you know, uh, inflatable arm flailing tube men, like the works. It was and and I remember like um, it, the sun came out and it looked like it was going to rain, but the sun came out and we were going to open the the fence to let everybody in, and there was a lineup all the way down uh, like Levi down third. Basically, like it almost like it was one of the longest lines that ever I'd ever seen, and like just all people down in some industrial park beside an overpass um, that no one would ever venture to, um, so that they could come to our, our party. And 
I remember saying to, I can't remember if it was Eric or Head Brewer who it was. It was just like, look at this and take a breath and enjoy it now and remember it um, that there's this many people here to like come hang out with us and drink our beer and how cool this is. So that when we have another beer code coming in. Yeah. yeah, So when we have to compete with another, no. So when something shitty happens, like, you know, uh, a bad review or whatever, um, that, you know, we remember the good times because it is hard. I think for anybody, just in any, uh, form of life to like, you know, when throughout your day, lots of nice things happen, but you always end up dwelling on the one thing that, that didn't. There's definitely things I think back that we've experienced that, clearly I haven't gotten over because I still think about it. You know, like they go and give us a review where they literally go amazing people love the space. One like great beer, four stars. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, like that sort of stuff bugs, bugs me. And I'm like, why didn't you just give us that fifth star? And that's going to affect us. And, you know, and at the end of it, who cares? But yeah, but you know, at that moment in time, you're like, why why did this e- like I, I you know i almost want to turn those notifications off or i don't want to see these things come in anymore because you know it does for for i mean if you got the right personality probably that doesn't bother you but for, for a lot of us we wear our hearts on our sleeves and that stuff is a, is a full-on gut punch right so yeah i'm the same way as you ox like i actually don't look at it anymore i dan deals with all our google reviews um which i mean if you go on to steel and oak i think we're 4.7 like it's pretty damn good but yeah, I think we're 4.8, but no yeah. big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Second> <laughs> I don't even know what to, I don't even know to say that. Google. So, yeah, except that's not what Google says. We're more of a Yelp, we're more of a Yelp company. So, you know, um, New West is fully, yeah, Yelp, where you Yelp. can where you can pay to get your ranking up. That's kind of what we're yeah. Uh, yeah, what we're about. The, can, can I change my answer for uh, <laughs> for the? After hearing your your uh, your answer, yeah, man, of course. It's not all the reviews, it's not all the awards we've won in our first year, but um, <laughs> uh, it was funny because we, I, I messaged you actually. I'm like, I, I was asking you for the Blood Brothers uh, contact because because they were in the same category as us. So getting the cease and desist from Loblaws that was uh, it was one of those <laughs> moments where I like personally kind of like chuckled to myself and. And I remember telling my dad, I'm like, guess what? We got a, we got a cease and desist from Loblaws. And my dad goes, how did they find out about you? And like, it was like one of those moments where you're like, yeah, how did they? Like, oh, we the- have, you know, a, a, a meager following on Instagram. And how did they, from the one post we put up, find out that we had a label that somewhat resembled their branding and come and send, come and send us a cease and desist and had to, notify their lawyer or their lawyer notified them or whatever to like bill them for a letter that they had to send to us. I, I, they have, I'll, I I'll think... put that in our hey, cap of the feather. Beer life podcast listeners in the comment section below this podcast, tell us what you think about breweries, uh, taking some IP and what your thought is. Cause it's an interesting subject because, um, we did it and, um, we blatantly knew, Kind of what we were doing um we didn't know where we crossed the line we can't say that and it's not like we're a bunch of lawyers but we uh you know uh, the imagery would be hard to confuse and um and we see this all the time in this industry this is like a part of the industry is this like kind of like robin hood-esque poking fun at and uh, ip and giving it back to the people in some ways like people do with walt disney from time to time and 
and Mickey Mouse and these things. And, and, uh, but, but it's, but, uh, sorry, I just switched gears on this, but uh, that experience to me, we had, there's a whole Instagram account. I think it's like, I puberty or something like that. And it's all beer yeah. that has gotten cease and desist letters and well, that the whole Instagram account and it's loaded. It is and loaded. So there's like a whole sub genre that, um, are we on there? Uh, we're not. Uh, we, we, we have, somebody showed it to me though. They they're like, "I was going to show up, but I didn't want you guys to get in trouble." So well, let, let me hit. Let me hit save so I don't lose all of this. And then uh, yeah. let's talk about IP because I do have an opinion on it, which probably might differ from yours. Um, but I will so we're uh, off the air. Is that what you think? No, no. I'm going to just save it, and then we'll come right back. And then it also allows me to do my uh, my plug for uh, vessel packaging as well um, for all your packaging needs. It'll be better than that when I actually record it. Beer Life is brought to you by Vessel Packaging Company. We deal with them all the time to package our beer at Steel and Oak. They're rad to deal with. We've dealt with them since uh, they destroyed the bomber market for us back in 2015. And they do all things uh, can-related. So your cans, your lids, they can do standard sizes uh, like your 473s and your 355s. But they also have those cool, sleek and slim-looking cans um, that uh, Provincial Spirits does and a few others. Um, they got all liners for all beverages. So if you're listening and you're not uh, in the beer industry, but you are in a beverage industry, they can hook you up as well. They do printed cans for you big guys out there that have lots of volume. Uh, they do sleeves for people like us that are trying to save some money while looking good. And they also do uh, pressure sensitive labels. So if you don't have a labeler, they'll label the cans for you. And of course they have their mobile filling service, which I think most people know them for. So they'll come out, set you up, check your dissolved oxygen, can your beer, check it again to make sure everything's gravy, and they pack everything up and are on their way. It's super slick, uh, which is why we continue to use them. It's easy. Uh, it's, it's nice. It's professional. Um, they also do coast-to-coast coverage in Canada. They got locations across the country. They service all provinces and territories. Now, if you're listening and you're like, I'm too big or I'm too small for Vessel, that's not the truth. Uh, they do thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, or hundreds of millions of cans each year for different breweries out there. So no matter what your volume, Vessel can definitely hook you up. And even if you're not in beer, they do cider, wine, water, RTDs, CBD, anything you need in a can, Vessel are your good folks to do that for you. So check them out, VesselPackaging.com. Uh, we're back. Um, okay, so let's talk about IP. Uh, I So we've, Steel and Oak's gotten a cease and desist before uh, as well, but something that uh, we named a beer secretariat. Uh, after the famous horse, um, but not realizing that that name is actually a trademark. And so yeah, that, we, I would not know that. No, but we like, didn't know. Is it by Disney? What's that? Is it is it trademarked by Disney? No, it's the family, uh, the family oh, of the wow. horse. And I don't know how they found out about it either, whether they have lawyers that just like search the internet for those that word or whatever. And so we got a cease and desist, just a friendly one. We our, got our lawyer to write back to be like we're the beer is a one-off it won't be on the shelf anymore um like we'd pretty much sold through it by the time we got the cease and desist um but i totally didn't know and i um i don't know i always laugh at the ip type stuff like i know you need to talk about blood brothers they had the blood light and i like that it's just a creative play on words i i noticed that they had to they changed the can design a little bit and i wonder if something happened there um but i they're actually on my list to get on the show so i'll ask them um but I, I think, like you mentioned, Cleet, like this Robin Hood mentality, like craft beer is, has that. And 
and I, and and I'm I think it's easy to poke fun and to it almost doesn't feel as bad stealing from a big corporation, um, but you'd never steal or use the IP of like one of a local newest uh, shop or or restaurant or whatever. So I I I. <sighs> I'm not a huge fan uh, when when any business kind of plays on somebody's IP that's like so blatantly obvious. Um, but I know that it's a big thing and I know it sells and I know it does well because you see it in the US all the time. I can't remember there's a brewery and somebody can hit me on Instagram and let me know uh, what it what brewery it is. But they always use um, like old Nintendo images, um, like in- Nintendo characters on their glassware. And it looks dope because it hits that nostalgic period for guys that are around our age. And I would buy it 100%. Um, but I suspect that, like, I guess it's that hitting that nostalgia is something that people can relate to, but still making it your own. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, and I, I, I see both. I'm a communications major when I did my undergrad and stuff. So, I spent about three years of my life just talking about researching these things at SFU. Um, but, um, but, but th- this argument is just huge and it, and it goes both ways. I mean, I can definitely see it from a brand point of view um, and how that this is not cool. And you can see it from the other point of view where it's like, what's, you know, uh, uh, what is over the line and not over the line and everything else like that. But, I want to comment on it more, but it's a, it's a fascinating discussion. And like you've alluded to with that, uh, with that, those breweries in the States, and that's primarily where we see it. But like I said, we've seen it in Canada across the board um, uh, as well uh, in pockets. And, and it's oddly like this new age thing. And I guess we're like this new age brewery in some ways. Um, so uh, we fell into this. Um, we typically go out of our way to find artists, and actually reward artists and pay artists. That's our big MO um, as a brewery. And so, but they're like these small time artists. So it is this weird dynamic where we did this collaboration. We poked fun at a big brand yet. Like our MO is like, yo, don't, don't actually mess around with the little guy though. You know what I mean? I think maybe that's why your backs up. And I think maybe this stance of the whole industry, when we talk about how, we can open next to you and we're a direct competitor. There's no, you can't slice it. If you were to do your SWAT report, we would be on it. Right. Yeah. But, but when it comes down to it though, even in a place like Metro Vancouver, which we feel is getting more and more and may possibly to the public side, reaching a point of saturation in terms of breweries. I don't believe that, but possibly reaching a point of saturation because the numbers are increasing so much. I bet, we don't own, I mean, maybe you have the data to this or I've heard something. I bet we don't own 40% of the market share. Yeah, I don't think we do. And I'm not smart enough to know how to look for that. So it wouldn't matter. And so, but. but I mean, so I bet we don't. And which goes to show you that there is, even to this day, as far as we're removed in this industry from the early 2000, 1990s viewpoint of craft breweries, where it's like us versus them, them being the, uh, you know, the Molsons and all the the, the, the massive multi-conglomerate uh, brands, that hasn't left. Yeah. It is still us versus them. And and I think that's where we get some of this. Maybe maybe this kind of IP issue has bled into our industry for better or worse. 
depending on your stance on it. But I think it's because there is this longstanding idea of like this support the small guy at the big guy type of like yeah. approach. I'm trying to think um, if the shoe was on the other sorry, foot. Man. Like how would I feel about it if somebody took Steel and Oaks brand and then did something with it? And I think if they did something with it that was like unique, that they were trying to solve something and more in like they weren't directly poking fun at it, but they were utilizing it, I would actually probably feel kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, I guess I've made Your it. Your idea of a beer called Metal and Wood wouldn't, wouldn't go over well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know what, I like for me personally, it'd be hilarious. Like, that's great. Um, the one thing I've learned. We didn't think that. We weren't going to do that. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I've learned, though, is that like <clears throat> people on the internet, uh, sometimes they don't understand our inside, the inside jokes that are played or what's going on too, right? So okay. it's like you never want to pander to everybody like you're never going to speak to to you know to to everybody into all demographics and psychographics but you you need to know your your clientele and your your audience but um a lot of times people just don't understand what's happening because they don't pay as much attention as you do to your own brand right yeah i well i can i can i give the back the the context to what happened with us yeah for sure please because i mean people might be wondering what we're talking about uh, we were we were asked to delete all the photos and everything like that off our I think uh the reason I wanted to talk to Blood Brothers too is because they had a similar label that came out and I noticed that they when we got our cease and desist they all their stuff was pulled off as well. So um but it was so basically what happened we we, we collaborated with Il Savage. Um for those who who are aware, they're a rad brewery in in uh Victoria area that does a lot of sours and and they're very similar to us. They similar size, and and um, they also don't do growler fills like us. And so our what we, we were joking, we were joking <laughs> around. What's that? I said what? You don't do growler yeah. fills? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just too small. We can get on that topic too if you <laughs> want to. Um, but uh, so we were just joking one night when we were out visiting with them, and the idea like. Uh, actually, Mark was there and from Seam Signs, and and he said, "Oh, no fills, like no frills, right?" And then, and then just from there went off, and and uh, they ended up Stefan from from Il Sauvage ended up creating the label for us, and it was just like a little knock on on no frills, and and so that's why Law Blogs came after us. But I did talk to the, I was the one communicating with the lawyer, and after chatting with them, what they said, because I I you know you know, big guy versus small guy. And, and I just said like, this is a one-off. It's a collaboration. We have like, we're such a small brewery that, you know, maybe we had a thousand cans that were all were already pretty much gone. And, and, and what they said was that they, their whole job is going after people that do stuff like that because they don't sign as a threat. But what the problem is, is that if they, if they don't, then there's a example out there where they didn't go after them. And yeah. so they can't protect their, their trademark and they can't protect their brand. So the only way they can protect the trademark and their brand is by going after every single person, even if it is a bad play. Cause I asked them like, what if I went to the news? Like, not that I'm going to do this, but what if I went to the news and, and got some free publicity out of it? What would, what, you know, is this beneficial to go after us and say, take all your cans off the shelf and, and they were quite nice. They just said, "Yeah, no, that that wouldn't be great." But at the end of it, we have to protect our brand, and 
and that's that's it, right? So well, and the other thing when you deal with these companies too is that uh, that that feeds into the like <laughs> the fu mentality. And this person we dealt with was lovely. They yeah. actually allowed us. They gave us an extra week to sell the product. I just said, clear everything off by the state, da da da. So I mean, if you want to get technical, we didn't use the right Pantone, yeah, yeah, and well. we didn't have their we didn't have their slogan in it. And but so, whose but, fault is but, that? That's we, Stefan's we, fault we, for not doing his we research. We with Loblaws or whatever. <laughs> we spoke with like Toby's law firm in Calgary. It's yeah. Just you know what I mean? You're not even you don't. And I think it's that that dissonance where you don't even feel the impact of what you're doing to a brand or somebody because you'll never meet that somebody. They're yeah. that big. And then, so I think when, I think that's where people kind of go, well, yeah, that's about Anyways, we can get off this, but there you go. I'm glad yeah. we got to segue into this because it's been something that's been on my mind as a topic. And I, I and, and seriously, post in the Beer Life uh, uh, podcast comments because I'd be interested to see what uh, either other brewers think about this and or just people in the industry, um, their thoughts on this IP subject. Question, where would somebody comment on the podcast? Yeah, can you? I have, no, I have, I have no fucking idea. You guys, I'm. Oh, I'm, I, thought, I, I thought there was no. I'm like I, all I can think about in the back of mind. I'm like, damn, Cleet's creating more work for me now. I got to figure out how to <laughs> do a comment section. Um, Maybe I'll put a post at another beer count. Like, yeah, I mean, I always just tell people to hit me up on Instagram, which is at, yeah, at Jordan Foss, and yeah, Jordan with an E N. And uh, I mean, you're not going to want to follow me because there's photos of my kids. But um, but yeah, I, you can always DM me with. Uh, if if you know some if if I because I've likely spit some knowledge that's not actual knowledge that's total bullshit and so feel free to call me out there just don't call yeah. me out with a one star Google review Pri- be privately like, well no one will uh, ever correct what steal and oat good beer but beer life from their owner sucks so one star <laughs> um, okay because I know people are probably gonna scream at the podcast if I don't ask this um, but they can't because I don't know if there's a comment section so they can't actually scream at it but. Um, how did you guys land on the name uh, Another Beer Cup? Yeah. Do you want to handle it or do you want me to? So, geez, it is actually like so there's like a ton of layers that came up with the name. I'll give my variation because we there's like a big brainstorming sesh as every brewery does, especially the further we go along, the brainstorming sessions get longer because you can't find a name. Um, and uh, so it kind of started from there. We were... Um, taking like it was a full week of us just trying to figure this out and but i'll say this i mean obviously anybody who doesn't own a brewery probably one thinks about a name for a brewery if they opened one and two names for a beer if they opened a brewery but for us like we we had stipulations that we both agreed upon that we didn't want to name it after a neighborhood or or a street or no offense to anybody out there that has i mean it was just like, it felt like that had been done quite a bit. Um, we also didn't, we didn't want to play into the West coast lifestyle brand and everything like that. We just wanted something, um, simplistic, maybe even in, like, const- um, not construction, but, but industrial sounding. And that was, that was kind of what we were starting with. And then every time we had an idea for a name, we'd go to the old Google. Uh, and it would be, it would be taken by another brewery or it would have been taken by by you know a brew club somewhere in the world like all these different little subs where you're like I don't want these guys coming after us yeah so yeah and and it's kind of started there and and anybody who's gone through this process understands it's it's a pain 
Um, I mean, my family's original brewery that I was planning on joining into, Whistle Punk, was initially called Hanson. And the boy band Hanson, the Umbop guys, yeah, they got a beer. came after us. And like we technically, they ended up buying us out to take the name. But it was a standoffish lawyer Cold War that was just draining money. So we're like, pay the legal fees and, and give us a little bit. And they ended up flipping that into a tank, which was cool for them. But yeah. But it's hard to find a name, even when you think like things are generic, they're not. And uh, so, yeah, so we just got fed up with looking and we were at a bar and playing trivia. And I was like, Alex, like, I don't care if we're like called BC 100, whatever our BC business number is. Like, I'm <laughs> so fed up with this conversation. I'm like, we're, we're like not generically another beer club. We're like, let's be honest. There's a bunch of us out there and there's more coming. And we're like another, we're another beer co that's just, we're another brewery that's entering Are you taking credit? Are you taking credit? So we said something <laughs> along those lines. And then, and we both were like, yeah, yeah. And then Alex is like, well, what do you think about that? And let me be clear about this. I hate the joke. The <laughs> joke of what's the number one beer sold? Another beer. I hate that joke. I don't, I don't like that joke. The, the joke for us is the, is the kind of lightly poking fun at this industry and kind of where we're at and what the public perception is like, oh, did you see that? There was another brewery. There was another beer company that opened up in my neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of that joke that we've all kind of experienced, especially if you've been in a big metropolitan area on the West Coast in North America. And so so it's, it's poking fun at that. But then there's like tons of layers to it um, because my family owns a brewery. I was supposed to join that. And then me and Matt, uh, my brother, uh, who's the brewer there, have always kind of had this collaborative mindset. So we thought, well, this is like another beer company associated with this kind of family and like our upbringing. And it spawned like my dad's passion spawned two breweries. And, um, and there was a bunch of names tied to brothers that we could not take because of copyright reasons. So once again, it's like it distills down to this name. We thought there was such clamor. We, you know, of course people uh, as beloved as Steel and Oak is, there was this feeling like, you know, Moody's, uh, poor Moody's got three now, poor Moody's got four now. Why can't, why can't, New West even have one more. And so there was this idea of like another beer company coming to this area. Um, and so, so there was like, it is like a ton of like a little nuance in the name. I pitched but, the name of, uh, you know, the ugly stepsister, but that's, that's <laughs> yeah. um, but the other, the other thing too, I think was, was like the ABC was a, uh, an easy, like it comes off, like, I'm not going to, argue against this but i, I kind of like the idea of it being generic sounding um we wanted to keep people guessing because obviously everybody kept asking us like what are we gonna what do you what's what's your focus what, what are you gonna be brewing what what style of beer are you gonna do you know steel and oak does german style beers and Dagerad uh does belgian style and and you know all these like these ideas that you had to have beer style like i mean it's definitely changed but but we i was just i wanted to keep people guessing like it i definitely thought our name sounded generic and then i think people were going to say that oh they're just going to make a crappy lager or, or a, a standard west coast ipa or whatever and and the fact of the matter is that we were going to come out with a new beer almost every week and it, we're going to annoy annoy you so much that we never kept a flagship on um, or even our flagships were going to be one and done at times and, and that sort of thing. So um, that played into it. Uh, definitely at the, the place that we were at, they had a, 
a scroll on the wall of all the, brew, the breweries that they had and the beers they had. And I just personally imagined scrolling down that, that list and then at the bottom it's saying another beer co. And I <laughs> chuckled to myself and thought I would order that beer no matter what it was. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then that kind of, I was even like saying, if we sell to a restaurant, I want to make it a, uh, a stipulation that we're at the bottom of the list. We don't want to be at the top. We want to be at the bottom. And that would make people laugh and then they would order it, you know, but yeah. um, no, but we, but I should say, I don't, I, I, we don't, we didn't mean it as like a insult to the rest of the breweries out no, there yeah. in any way, you know, like I remember our first, our first craft, uh, craft beer conference in BC and we had our, our original swag. I hate that term, but our original gear and, and it, and it said another beer company sweater. And I remember Ben laughing when he saw it, Ben Coley laughing yeah. at it when he saw it. And I, that made my day because I was just like, that was the idea is that the marketing behind that name could be endless. But if you can make Ben, if you can make Ben Coley laugh, uh, that's the, a good day. The ABC, we knew that naturally people would be like, you're not going to say, uh, where are you going? I'm going to another beer company. Like that's, that's really long. Yeah. And so it's also going to be very confusing. Right? And, say, yeah. Which, which brewery? Yeah. So we knew that naturally we would default to the ABC. So when you look at our branding, like, you, you know, we, we do mix up the, you know, style graph, like stylistically the using just the uh, typeface or using the uh, kind of custom letter work that we have for ABC. Um, and, and that, that part of the brand was super intentional in terms of we just, we just wanted to just, there's a million like American brewing companies or whatever, like uh, breweries that have A, B, C, yeah. but none of them generic enough that we could, you could just be ABC and actually own it. And, and we kind of thought we could default to that. And we're starting to see that a little bit. I'm sure other people get called ABC, but, but the, just our name, just we naturally get called that more. I feel the, sure. the cross tagging that we get is quite funny. But oh, I bet. Like the, the alphabet brewery company down in, in California or whatever, we get tagged a lot with them by mistake, and yeah. it's quite funny. So, yeah, so that's, cool. that's kind of how we landed there. And then the brand, too, you know, we did want to recognize where we're from. So, like, the ABC is actually stylistically um, the Expo 86 logo, and we're on the Expo line, which is our, if you're not from this region, it's our, like, major metro rail, our SkyTrain. Um, well, to be, to be technical, the Expo line goes to Surrey. Our our line is the Millennial line. Oh, right. oh. Yeah. I'm just a. So anyway, so 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 our logo mimics those colors as an homage to this like kind of this this cool thing that kind of exposed Vancouver in many ways, and um, and so so it's it's playing off of that. So it's familiar and unfamiliar, right? Yeah. And uh, it's ball capish. It you know it looks good that way. So. So anyways, yeah, that's kind of how we landed. And then the last thing that we wanted to do, not to add more onto this discussion, uh, short story long, we um, we really want our branding to feel it, it's very inspired by the skateboard community. Um, and so and so we when Alex grew up skateboarding, I was off at it and afraid to break my legs. And, but, but I sat and I watched skate videos and I went to skate shops and, and in the nineties and growing up in the early thousands, you know, that was a big part of a lot of people's life and culture. Uh, just having a heyday, of course, with uh, massive pop culture influences with Tony Hawk and whatnot, but you know, the skate community is really cool. And, and one of the raddest things I see out of it 
is this a chameleon-like ability for artists to apply themselves to brands and totally switch up their branding on a fly, on the fly. So you can have like girl skate decks that can look like girl skate decks in their generic branding, but then like a different artist is signed on to do a one-off for a certain skater and it's entirely different. Yeah. And so, and so we like that concept. We felt like that resonated to us and we apply the same techniques with our branding for better or worse. It might be hard to identify our product, but, but we will take enjoyment in this kind of like constant changing, um, just different art styles, uh, kind of approach. And that, that comes with the cons, but we love it. Well, I think, I mean, you guys are suited for, I mean, as, as much as brand it is, I still find it recognizable, but also because you guys are really tasting room focused, you're not necessarily messing with the wholesale market. Um, you don't need it to look entirely, you know, cohesive in a sense yeah, right yeah. and because you don't need the same recognition because people know where they are because they're at your brewery um i, I want to goal is to take over the market though uh, <laughs> you're gonna need a bigger brewery if you want to do that maybe <laughs> give people some time. give people some context if they haven't been to abc uh because it is quite small uh just the size uh and scope of of like maybe the square footage and kind of uh what vessels you have in there yeah, so we are technically the unit that we occupied was 1,300 square feet, which is like insanity, right? Yeah. Um, so 1,300 square feet, we added a mezzanine to add that added 500 square feet. So that bumps it up to 1,800 square feet with the mezzanine. And, uh, and it's like if you've been to Seattle when Ru- pre-Ruben's expansion, it was it's kind of like that. Like I remember that experience of sitting on a bench with my back against tanks and yeah. having this amazing beer. And I thought, man, that, that's a vibe. And so, uh, so we were very cool with going that smaller route, but you're right. I mean, it definitely being smaller allows us to have that flexibility because the ambitions and the aims are quite different as a brand than yeah. other, um, than other operations. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, okay. if you haven't been to a- right. like, if you haven't been to ABC, you owe it to yourself to go not only for obviously for the, the great beer, but it is a really cool space to be in. Cause it is, you are literally like, you could open a tri-clamp if you wanted to, you're not close to it. <laughs> so don't, don't so do, that. Actually, <laughs> Please do, not do that. My second favorite moment that gave me like a huge chuckle. I thought, man, people are just like, they just get comfortable, which is cool. Like when you create a, like a, a safe and open space that people feel relaxed in, we open up and we have like some like yeast propping X like home, like converted homebrew equipment. And, uh, and we got this like bright tanky thing and, and it's one, it's a one heck tank. So you can imagine it being small. That's the technical term, the bright tanky. Thing. <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, and this dude is, is putting his beer just on it. Like he's using it as a table, like the space is packed out and he's like, well, where should I set my beer? And I'm like, well, there's no tables for you. So. You either have to stand or just wait for a table. And no, he wasn't having that. He was just going to set his beer just right in the tank. And I see him just like setting it down. I'm like, first of all, that glass could fall and break so yeah. fast. <laughs> this yeah. is a rounded object for the most part. <laughs> and, uh, but it just like, that that's our space. I mean, that summed it up. The fact that somebody was just like, I'm just going to cram into this like kind of like hole in this industrial park. And they're, they're slinging these beers. And it's actually, yeah, you're right. There's like a vibe to it. And it's, it's put together and it's clean and, and, and whatnot, but like you're in the brook. You're yeah. there. You're stepping on a drain. If you want and, to. and if you show up early enough, you'll be there helping out 
brood. Yeah, you might, you might, you might get tossed a squeegee to help us clean up before <laughs> we get started. And I will say that's a huge challenge with us. You know, um, if you're looking at doing something similar to ours, if you've ever seen it, uh, or be in such a small space and have that brewery tasting room uh, unison with quite literally no separation. Uh, the challenge is, you know, we have to, we're, you know, I've slept at the breweries when we were doing some sours before because I had to work around tasting room hours and, um, and I've, uh, the space has to be totally cleaned and wrapped up by three o'clock. So our brew days start at five, you know, wow. we got to start a work day at 5 a.m. every day. So that way we can kind of fit everything in and get the space presentable for the public to come in at, at 3 p.m. And 3 p.m. is not even an early start. So, no. that, you know, that would be a, uh, a challenge that we have for sure. So um, I want to touch on the uh, because you guys have uh, been the um, been poked fun of by uh, BC beer memes about uh, no flights, no fills. And Ooh, uh, right. <laughs> um, and uh, and so I want to go and just kind of pick your guys brain about the that decision just being like uh the no growler one is an easier one for sure i think most people that listen to this i, I feel are industry folk um so i mean there is and we can we could definitely do that debate um but uh like the no flight no fills what was the kind of the thought process behind it how did you land on it did you think that you were going to get pushback um yeah um I'll, I'll just start in on how we kind of came to it and then i'll let alex maybe add additional thoughts but it was in large part to our experiences um, with our favorite kind of inspiration, taking things that we love from breweries in the States. And, um, and we've been to a handful of breweries that just either you only get a pint, we weren't willing to go that far. Um, but like, you don't, you don't get the, the flight option. Like it's like, you just got to commit to a product. And from a philosophical angle, my job in some ways is and whether the consumer recognizes this is not is i'm trying to actually kind of protect your best interests so if you get a flight you may walk away from that experience first of all your tastes are going to get jumbled really quick but you may walk away from that experience having one sip not getting the full breath of beer and be like this is okay and then just jumping along and what we wanted to do is we really love and care about our beer for better or worse. And, and, um, and we really want to present a product with a minimum of, you know, eight to 10 ounces, depending on the head and, and what type of style we're presenting to them that allow them to sit with the beer. The other thing it does from a decision-making angle for the customer, and we get a ton, not, I wouldn't even say flack, but a ton of people are like, what, you don't do flights, you don't do flights, what is this, right? But the other thing that we do is for the consumer without them knowing is they look at our selection and they're narrowing down what they really want. And so they're going to walk away from that saying, I enjoyed that. I wanted this and I wasn't willing to take a risk here. I got that. And we always tell everybody up front when they walk in, if they look like they're humming and hawing an option, you say, I can just give you a sample. No problem. you want to try anything i'll give it to you on the spot and so that's always available at abc but but if you are not that into ipas but you might have tried it on a flight you know then argument could be made that maybe we could expose to something you would have liked but the other argument could have been made that you would have verified within one sip that you didn't like that and and what we didn't said was if you really want that sour and that's the one you really gravitate towards go get that sour go get that lager or stick with that ipa 
and sit, enjoy that product, allow it to even warm slightly, you know, really be experiencing that product in the, in its full breadth. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's, that's in large part why we kind of tackled that. Well, and then I, we should yeah. say that we're not anti-flight. We're not anti-growlers in any way. Like, like, Oh, oh no, you guys just said yeah, you're I, I mean, flight so it, it, <laughs> There's a time and a place. I think, I think, uh, you know, definitely talking to a few other, you know, brewery owners, you know, the growler thing for us, for us, especially with COVID, like we, we did, we'll, we'll go on record. We did do some growler fills for people because they were adamant about getting growlers and we don't want to upset people. We're, we're business owners and we, you know, the, the client is always right. Kind of mentality is like, you do what you got to do to, to sell your beers and let people try it. But, but we were, we were, we were worried that our beers were going to get shared and they weren't going to be presented at the best case. And as, as a, as a small brewery, like that could cripple you if your beer is getting passed around in a unforeseeable circumstance that you can't really control. And I think it's just that we're, you know, you can joke and say we're controlling what we're trying to do. And, and at the end of like during COVID, like talk to any brewery out there, you went from, you know, a certain portion, like we were probably doing 40% of our tanks were being canned off and the rest was going out our front door, which is like the best profit margin possible to, to now doing 80%, which would leave us with a handful of kegs. And now those handful of kegs that are, are there for those customers who are going to pay us the best return on profit or best return to now go and use those kegs to fill a two liter growler to then maybe get seen dumped down a drain. Cause I mean, I, again, I'm not, I'm not everybody out there, but I, I did have growlers. I did fill growlers. The odd time I still fill growlers, but there's often times where I don't finish that five beers and because I'm not sharing with a friend or I'm, you know, I'm, I just cracked that beer because that was the only way I could get that, you know, one off from a, from a brewery was to get their growler fill. And then unfortunately it, it, I didn't drink it in the, you know, the time allotted for a beer to be tasted properly from a growler. And, and so there's a beer that get tossed down the drain or, or you still keep it and you drink it and then you share it with somebody and it's not properly carbonated or it's not sanitized anymore, or it's been open to air or or what, like, especially a big IPA having air contact. So anyways, there's, there's a whole, and, and also I wanted to say about the flights, we have half filled. I mean, they are like a large portion of, of a flight in a way. We're just asking you to, to enjoy them. Flights. <laughs> we're, we're just asking you to enjoy that beer a little bit more than you would from the other size flights. And, and if you compare it to other breweries that have flights that sell them, I think it's actually on par with, with that, but you're just getting a bit more beer in the, in the grand scheme of things, which isn't the best thing if you're, you're driving. It's be- we, we, we encourage people to share pre-COVID again, encourage people to share, uh, but it's still there. I mean, I, I believe uh, Superflux is doing the same thing where they, ha- they don't have flights. They don't have growlers. They do, uh, they do have half fours as well. And I, and I think, I don't know if that's, if, if that's the trend and, and maybe we, ahead of time but i don't know i don't even know if it's like a trend it's just the decision that we made and how we wanted to present our product because you know when we go to il sauvage they have flights and that seems like a brewery that you would get a flight at though because it's a lot of sours and i can't sit and just i can't sit and just put back 
like maybe like four sours with friends over an evening, like I'll have heartburn to death or whatever. Right. So, so, but, but their, the range of their products and, and that experience seems very flight uh, kind of dominant, but, um, but, but I think it's just kind of like, I, I don't know if there's a wrong or right on the flight discussion. I think can, it's just how you want to present it. Can I ask you something, Jordan? Um, do you, do you like selling flights? Uh, we don't like doing filling flights because it's uh, it's a pain in the ass and it um, and it takes time, um, but we charge for it. Um, so I mean, if you get a flight from Steel and Oak, it's not cheap. And I mean that that might be our our downside is maybe we could have had two more new tanks by having flights. But well, we so I mean, I, and I think if you're I mean, if you're industry and you're listening to this, you're probably like, yeah, we agree with everything you're saying. Like, I don't. I can't tell you the last time I had a flight at a brewery. I, I commit, but I know what I like. So I commit and I get a glass. So I get the full experience. Um, and I don't fill a growler, but I also don't fill a growler. Cause I just, I, I'm not why well, I know why I don't fill a growler. Cause I'm not going to crush a liter of beer in, in a night. Um, so I guess I, I'm kind of, I mean, obviously when steel nook opened, um, we opened with, and I, and I think it's all, it's important to reiterate this. We opened with a taste room license. So the only way that you could have a beer, you could only get one glass of beer or a flight. And so as long as it equaled 12 ounces. So for us, you had to do flights anyways, because you couldn't serve your customer more than one beer. So if they wanted to try a couple beers, that wasn't the only way they could do that is in a flight. So you're kind of, your hand was forced. And then also back then, nobody opened with, Vessel wasn't a thing. Uh, West Coast Canyon wasn't really running yet. So nobody had options to spend, none of us had enough money to package our beer um, because Vessel wasn't around to, to kind of, you know, basically pay as you go for, for canning. And no one, you know, we bought a Maheen bottling line, but no one could afford it right off the hop. So the only way, to get your beer from uh, the tap to a customer was in a growler, and the crowler thing doesn't wasn't even a thing yet. And so it was, um, you know, you do your best because you know you still have the same knowledge you do today, where oxygen is the enemy. And so, I mean, we had the same kind of system that a lot of guys had, where it was, you know, you purge with CO two, uh, it's counter pressure, and you know, you you we would test them uh, unopened to make sure. Um, and obviously, as you said, um, Alex, like with IPA, some beers fared better than others. Fortunately for us, we didn't really do any really hoppy beers, um, in growlers. And, and so that's, you know, obviously why we opened the way that we did. Um, can I say, can I add something from a, from a, like a, like a sociology kind of like concept of like this growler growlers are like, are in the hall of fame of like craft beer and they did, they need to be on a pedestal in some ways because of what they did for this industry in allowing people to take a product amongst all the reasons that you said you couldn't get it to other people. This was the way you got other people to be, Oh my goodness, there's something different than a mass produced product. And they were so like how many people who didn't collect growlers? Like this was the industry when you opened. I still have three sitting up on my uh, like my mantle. 
um, from different breweries. And this was the way that you kind of wore this badge of pride of like, I'm into craft beer. And they were there. So those things are so instrumental. Like they just were so necessary and being, and it's interesting, of course, like uh, what's great about the discussions we're having is you opened during this period and then we opened during this other period and we're both coexisting, of course, along now a timeline together, but we've, thanks to the work done by breweries since the 90s and carrying this thing forward have allowed us to enter into a space where I, I get to choose how I want to present my product in different ways. And, and, um, and there's uniqueness to that and it's respected and, and it creates a more diverse culture for the consumer when they're traveling around, say Metro Vancouver and our 40 or whatever plus breweries and getting maybe different hits of different kind of approach to how we want to go about this. And, and I find that consumers kind of respect when we say like, Hey, we don't do flies to do this or whatever, or we don't do growlers. You know, you get some people like I brought my growler. I'm like, yeah, sorry or whatever. But like you, you're getting less and less people who are, who are like outright angry that you don't provide this service. And there's just kind of this greater understanding. And if, if growlers totally left, it would honestly be kind of a sad day. Cause I, I, there's part of the, like this great kind of like, almost like down to earth feeling of just like I fill up my beer and off we go. Right. But like beers have changed in that time. The beers presented have changed. The beers that people demanding have changed. And so there's just a lot that goes with it. But, um, and, and I think if, if we were yeah. the massive size, like Steel and Oak is, we would, we would offer growler. <laughs> we are not massive, <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it just doesn't logistically make sense for us. Um, no, just the way, change, you, yeah, really the way you're set. Well, I mean, the way you're set up and how many people you can fit in the, no, I, I get that. And I think, I think there's a way to like, we've, the growler thing is one thing, right? Like we wouldn't. I wouldn't stop. We're, we control what beers we fill uh, for growlers. So we don't fill everything because we want to make sure that the beer is the best chance. We've also recognized now as time gone, has gone on that we have a couple different growler filling customers. We have the person that's always filled a growler because they like value. Um, although our growler prices have gone up as well. Um, and, and that's just because they, they're also time consuming to fill. Um, but, um, and then there's the environmentally conscious person that likes the idea of a refillable container and zero, basically zero waste. And um, I know with Herald Street in Victoria, um, I mean, we have, uh, we have our own crowler filler, so canning, you know, which, which I would argue, obviously, it's a better solution. But, you know, when people say they don't fill up growlers, but you'll still fill a can up on your own counter or your own, you know, purging tap, it's the same thing. It's just you're seaming it, so it's better. So, I mean, you know, there's an argument to say that, like, well, unless you have a professional canning line, you know, you're still giving it to your customer in the same format. Um, but I, I, I agree it's a size thing. The fact that, like, I mean, at Herald Street, we only do 473s, and I think you guys are the same at, um, at ABC. But, like, if you're getting a one-liter crowler, to me, that's no different than a one-liter growler. Um, if you're going through the same process now, I know this, the seeming it will probably keep the oxygen out a little bit better than the cap, but the intent is to drink that thing when you get home. Now, I understand that not everybody does that as well, but we are not getting new growler customers. Um, so for us, I don't think we would get rid of growlers because I think 
they will always be the same people um, that we've given growlers to for six years. Um, and, and eventually it will peter out. And I think, you know, Cleet, I think it will be a, a sad day in a sense, but it, I think it will happen. I, re- I remember when we were building or talking about building this brewery, you know, the times that Cleet and I would go and have a beer and chat. And the, we, from the beginning, we were like having that idea that we didn't want these items. But I think it was like maybe a year out from us opening and we were a part of the, the Facebook group for the craft breweries out there and in BC and and somebody put out the question, I think it might have been Mariner, put out the question, how are you guys seeing your growler field going? And every single brewery out there was saying, oh, way down. All of ours are down, down, down. And then you jumped in and said, ours are way up. <laughs> and it just made me go, are we making the wrong decision opening a brewery in New West with no growlers? You know, so yeah, first people are- I, think, I think you definitely have your, um, and this is kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. About New West. About New West. Just being you know you being the 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 one brewery that everybody kind of learned from what's going on in the world of beer through you and and you know it you you do have that ability to to kind of change people's minds i think so well and i think i mean growlers for us since covid obviously because we stopped filling growlers during covid which i wasn't like we definitely stopped but i'm like we can make these things super sanitary like you know but regardless we we stopped and i think that will kind of i don't think that'll come back like i don't think the growler filling customer there were a few people that were super fired up when we finally started filling growlers again right um but i do think i i mean i think slowly people will just move to to package product um and and but I, to go back to the flight thing i think the flight is just a mindset of of what a customer expects and like so you guys offer half pours. And if you put four half pours together, that's a decent flight. Um, And so I think people just have this expectation that a flight comes on this board, right? And that, and the board has which beers are written on it. Now, since COVID started, um, we've done away with the board because it's another thing to clean. And so now you order a flight steel and oak, basically a la carte, like you can order three, uh, you know, three small glasses or five. So, we're technically just doing the exact same thing you guys do. It's just, it's called a flight. And, and so like you can, but you order them individually now. So we're like, yeah, you can do a flight. You can do six, you can do four, you can do five because the, our limitations aren't there anymore as they were when we had a tasting uh, license because we can serve a little bit more per customer per time. And so now on the menu, when you come to steel and Oak, it says flight. Um, but we could put those in, in a, you know, in a 10 ounce glass and half pour them too, to get that full, you know, aroma experience. We don't, we use our tasting glasses cause I have them. Um, and, and it's just kind of what we've always done, but it's definitely something that's crept into my mind where it's like, you know, you go to, you know, like you said, clean a lot of breweries in the U S um, modern times is one of them. I think of now, like, um, or you go to some of the cool beer bars. Like if you order, you know, a, a five ounce pour or six ounce pour, it just still comes in a 12 ounce glass. It's just poured halfway. Right. And, um, and so I think the flight is just this, this expectation that when, um, you're not in industry, but you like craft beer, you're like, I expect that I can try things. That's part of the fun of going to a brewery. That's part of the fun. And so I think it's just for us, I know it's, it's like, 
it's just trying to like reformat that conversation. Cause I agree with everything that you say, like from a, you know, from an industry person in, you know, I would, I don't order a flight. I don't, but if I went to ABC, I'd order a few half pours cause it feels different. Right. And so I think it's just, you know, it's, um, we talk about it all the time with beers that we release. It's, we have an intention, but does that line up with the customer's expectation of what our intention is, you know, and, and how do we, how do we, how do we convey that? We made this, this beer, um, called, uh, Molinillo and, and Eric, our head brewer's family's from Mexico. And he's like, I want to make this Mexican, um, hot chocolate stout. I was like, Oh, cool, man. Um, I'm like, you know, like a uh, horchata. He's like, no, Mexican hot chocolate is not horchata. It's not even remotely the same thing. Horchata doesn't have chocolate in it. It's, it's milk based. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, and it's going to finish. It's Mexican hot chocolate finishes quite bitter. Um, and it, it's, it's like, I want to make this, this, this Mexican hot chocolate beer. I'm like, people are going to expect that this is a lactose sweet bomb of a beer. And he's like, yeah, but that's not Mexican hot chocolate. And I'm like, people don't know what Mexican hot chocolate is. They think it's something else. And he's like, yeah, but why don't we educate them on what it actually is? I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a tall task. And sure enough, you know, it's like we made this Mexican hot chocolate. Uh, I'm like, are people going to think that there is, you know, some spice in it? And he's like, well, no, there's no, there's no spice in Mexican hot chocolate. He's like, it's, it's chocolate and a little bit of cinnamon and this, uh, this peel and colos, or I'm going to mispronounce it, the sugar. And I'm like, oh, but people are going to expect it. And he's like, yeah, but that's, that's not what it is. And sure enough, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's too bitter. And we're like, well, no, it's the right bitterness because that's what Mexican hot chocolate is. And so it's like this, you know, we're constantly doing this dance of, of, of you don't want to pander because you still want to be you know, who you are, but then there has to be this element of, of that. We're still making things for somebody else. So we have to make sure that it aligns with what their expectation might be of that, or at least do a really good job of explaining to them when they walk through the door, why their flight comes in a half pour. And, you know, it's just, it's just verbiage rather than an actual, you know, when they don't see it on a paddle, it's not, the option's not available to them. It's just, this is the reason why. Right. And so, um, you know, I've gone on a tangent now because I'm upset about how people misinterpret beer, but it's... Uh... <laughs> well, one thing, listening listening to your very soft and enjoyable uh, voice, um, <laughs> it, uh, one thing I would add to that is that I think a lot of times, like, the, our industry was, was piggybacking off of the wine industry in a way, and, and it's a very common thing to go to a winery and and sit down with sommeliers and, and they're going to have you try samples of the wine. However, you have that person with you saying, okay, now before you drink this next one, you're going to have to rinse your mouth out and make sure that you don't have anything left from the, ba- the last beer or last wine you had. And then, and then they're going to go and say, take three sips. And when you have that third sip, that's when you're going to actually get the true taste of it. But when you have a flight and you're not, not being babysat, I guess, by someone who knows, like, you know, Eric's not there personally telling you these yeah. things that he just told you about that beer. You're not going to have the uh, knowledge at times that if you drink a big IPA before you go and have a lager, well, that lager is not going to be what it's supposed to be it's in no. your in your palate. And and there's a lot of other things that I mean that that can can totally contribute to the way that beer is not tasting properly. 
And I personally feel that a lot of the people who really, really, really want flights these days, and I'm not trying to like pigeonhole people, but it's, it's a little bit of the untapped group that yeah. like we, I, we, like it was, it blew me away that first week we were open, how many people raced in and wanted to have a flight so that they could like, they pull out their phones and rate us on the, on, on their phones right in front of us while trying to like take a sip from one, then take a sip from another and take a sip from something else. And it was just kind of, cause I had just going back, we didn't do flights, but at the beginning we were, only allowed to do flights because we didn't have our our lounge license for about a week after after we had opened but so there were people who were coming in and doing that and they loved it they loved being able to rate all these random new yeah. beers that nobody else had tried before and be the first one to try it or whatever and so there was a bit of that going on too that wasn't fun to watch because you're going well no 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 you gotta one give it, give it a little bit of a try and, and enjoy it opposed to just taking a sip and, and then judging it right by that way. For sure. Yeah. And I, I also wanted to like clarify that, like, I don't want to sound bitter, uh, because you know, I'm upset that people don't cause they, cause I haven't done a good enough job of explaining the beer to people or at least explaining it on the can. Right. And I think it's, it's an interesting, you know, it is an interesting thing that I, that we always talk about here is like, okay, how is somebody going to interpret this and how do we, how do we make sure that when they pick up this beer, they know why it tastes the way it does so that their expectation is set and they're not like, this doesn't taste like a horchata stout. And, um, and it's difficult to do, but like we owe it to, I mean, we charge a decent amount for our beer um, and, you know, can, compared to macro beer. And so we do owe it to our customers to be able to, make sure that the expectation that they have when they spend their money is, is what's in, in the can or in the glass. And so, you know, it's still, it's on us. Um, it's just, I don't know the right answer or the right way to go about it. unless it's like, before you drink this beer, go to this social media post and read the entire thing. So yeah. that you know exactly why we did what we did. And we're, we're toying with different ways to be able to, you know, whether it's a video of Eric or whoever being like, this is why this beer tastes the way it does. And this is why you might think it might it's supposed to taste like this, but it doesn't. Cause it's not that thing. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I, you're never going to be able to, um, you know, with, with anybody drinking your beer in any s- sort of order, you're right. It's, that's the nice thing about going to a wine tasting is you kind of do have that, that person holding your hand. Um, and which makes the product taste better too, because yeah. you have somebody that's passionate about it. That's talking about it. That's like, this is what you get that flavor. And you're like, I do now that you told me to. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and so it's, which is great. And I wish we could do more of that, uh, in, in our industry for sure. And, um, maybe it's just trying to figure out a, a, you know, creative way to do it. But, um, we, we've gone, uh, this is, I've still got like half my list of questions left guys. So we'll have to do this again, but I don't want to leave it for too long. Cause we've gone an hour and a half and I'm, I don't yeah. want people to tune out, but, uh, before, before I, I, I didn't even really get to talk about how you guys have shifted or how the pandemic has, um, has affected your business. You, you guys see are... that for like post pandemic. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's even true. Though we're yeah. not in it and it doesn't matter anymore. We all want to forget it. There is an element of like, it shifted a lot like this yeah. recent one. And I'm, I don't know if you're feeling it too. Like that oh. lockdown that we're in is, has changed the lockdown and the inability to play, say, live music or do something like that. You can't generate interest beyond just your beer, which I mean, I know we're a brewery and we should stand our own that way, but like we're also operating as a bar. So just that's my only thought there is, but that's dynamically different, dramatically different from 
we can't be open at all and we're just shoveling cans and people, you know what I mean? Like this whole oh. thing, somebody's read a book. It's, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, we, it's, it's really awkward. <laughs> it is. There's nothing like, I mean, you guys obviously know, like it's still an oak. We always play vinyl because I really love music and I love music fucking loud. Like my kids are like too loud, too loud. That's my two year old. My five year old talks better than that. But, um, in the car and cause I, I just, I like music. I'm an audio guy. And, um, and so it bugs me when I come into the taste room and the music is played at such a low level because you know, that's what we have to do. And, yeah. and you're right. It's hard to like get people excited or hype them up to come down. Cause you're like, well, but don't come down with, with more than the person you live with. And, uh, don't too many people come down cause, um, we don't have enough space for too many people. So yeah. <laughs> you know what, maybe just buy some beer to go and, and, uh, you know, and hopefully things will be fun again one day. Right. And, um, yeah. you know, we, I get, we had a, we had a plan for like a, we were going to announce that we were going to do an IPA fest where we had mostly IPAs on our tap and, and, and then the, the latest extension definitely put a wrench in it. And we, you know, we have a bunch of big IPAs that are about to come out and we're trying to figure out how to like do what you just said. Like what's, what's the, the right call. We don't want to get an email that says that we suck because of trying to encourage people to come in. Cause I mean, at the end of it, our, our whole business model was to sell glassware or not glassware glasses yep. of beer out of our door and that was all we really needed to to make ends meet but now we're trying to sling a whole lot more cans that that we weren't really built to do no it's it's i mean you guys have listened to this podcast before it's like the i think now that that is the model right you want you want you know glasses only tasting room model that's how you know that's that's the best way to do it that's how people get to come and experience the beer you get to tell them about it they're not buying it blindly off of a shelf there's no you know hidden expectation on what it could be and then you're like oh but that model doesn't work when there's a pandemic <laughs> and yep. nope. but then you got it you're like well we're hopefully we're not going to go through another one of these in our business's life cycle so yeah, um you know it's the it's the you know it's the first time we're like you know me and all my old you know, six year, seven year old brewery buddies that started with a bit of a wholesale model. Cause that's what you did are all like, well, we're really glad we did that because you know, that's helping a ton. Right. And it makes those slow days. Cause we are slow in the tasting room right now. We're uh, so far. It. Yeah. <laughs> you're a liar. You know why I know you're lying? Cause I, I drive by every single night to make sure that you guys aren't. No, <laughs> yeah. Mike is ABC we'll, busy we'll right now. We'll into our cameras. We should, we should <laughs> stop texting each other back and forth. Yeah. Um, well, we, Jordan, we really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to let you guys I know. I know you're our arch nemesis and, um, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, all these, all the jokes aside, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot even like in our first year with, with your podcast listening to it. So um, oh. I'm sure there's probably going to be other people uh, down the road that opened a brewery and said that they were listening to to this stuff. So I, I think it's, um, it's awesome. Not, not oh. to pander anymore. No, I, 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 mean, wholeheartedly. I appreciate that. Thanks Alex for saying that. And I mean, I think when I started it, that was kind of the whole point is just, it was most to be industry focused and to try and help out because how, you know, we know that we've made a ton of mistakes and, um, you know, and also to be able to let people know that it's that it's not all great all the time, and that's okay. Um, but I think you know, when when you look back at it, um, I don't think there's anything else I would rather be doing. It's it's pretty awesome. So appreciate it. 
Well, thanks for being on, guys. I mean, you know what they say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So I appreciate you guys being on the show. Uh, um, uh, I want to thank Cleet Hansen and Alex Jobson from Another Beer Company for being on the program. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. All right. This has been Beer Life. My name is Jordan Voss. 